Here's a question for you. Do you ever feel powerless when you look at this world today? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to our Wednesday edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Got a few things that I want to share on the program a little bit different than some of the other days. It's it's really easy, and we'll probably do it tomorrow, to talk about some of the strange headlines in the news. But I ran across a couple of stories and a couple of things that I, I want to share on today's program, and then in the second half, share some hope. Sometimes we We live in a world that doesn't seem to have a whole lot of hope left. There are times I wonder, and I'll be honest, just like any person you wonder, is all the work that it takes to put together a program such as Truth to Ponder worth the effort? And I, I, I get a few emails occasionally and even from the website where people indicate that the program is of a benefit to them. And I'm not going to give the person's name or where they live, but one came in over this past weekend, and I I shared it with my wife and a couple of other people, and it says something to me, and I get a lot of these, but this one just stood out for some reason. The person writes, I plan to write a much longer letter and actually mail it, but yes, 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 there are others out here who see uh, what you see are going on. He just found the broadcast, I just found your broadcast and have started listening. But this is what I've been saying since last March, and I'm assuming March of last year, if not this past March. I felt very alone. And I can see through the nonsense, and it's clear to you too. I've lost a whole family to this cult thinking. And I felt so very alone and sad. Now, let me just say this. This cult of COVID is something that really needs to be addressed. We'll talk about it a little bit more tomorrow. I've got some material you've got to hear that I've been collecting. I've been looking through stories and just trying to get a handle. And I think a lot of what I will tell you tomorrow and some of what you're going to learn today will help you get through some of this mess. I thought I was crazy, he continues, because no one agreed with me. I felt so alone. So it's refreshing to hear someone else out there who sees it too. You are right. We know what the problem is, and it's it's time to start looking for solutions. You're, you're, You're exactly right. Guess what? You are not alone at all. I would, I would estimate that half of Americans are close to it, or maybe at least 40%, at least to some degree, would agree with you and I about what's going on in this world today. There's something that is just unseeming about all of this. The lockdowns, the wearing of face masks. I've got a a bunch of material on this that I really want to share with you tomorrow because it is urgent that you hear it. This way we've responded to the pandemic is literally satanic and deranged. So he feels good or she feels good. I didn't, I haven't quite figured that out. I'm looking at the email address and I'll say this much. One of those kind of names that can go either male or female, boy or girl. But you're right. We know what the problem is and it's, start, it's time to start looking for a solution. I don't know where to start, but I agree that we're running out of time. I can't explain what I feel and know, but this whole thing is so completely and entirely wrong. 
Something is just so, so, so very wrong. And this person writes, I can't put my finger on it. Anyway, enough rambling. Thank you for your broadcast and your archives right now. You're saving my sanity. And I, I thank you for that email. And I, I try to do that each and every day on this broadcast. And then also the writer adds, I think I may have heard a broadcast of yours several years ago. You turned on his shortwave in the middle of the night because of insomnia and heard someone talking about the early days of being on radio and played that song by Charlie Dore, Pilot of the Airwaves. Was that you? Yes, it was. And one of my favorite songs from back in the days when I when I played disc jockey. And yeah, it's, it's a long, long time ago. It was one of those songs, if you think in terms of being a radio announcer back in those days, if you happen to talk about a radio or radio station, there was a good chance the radio stations would play your song and you would have a hit on your hands. That's just how it worked back in those days. So yes, I do remember Charlie Doerr's hit single, Pilot of the Airwaves. And that's what a lot of us were back in the day. I want to turn into something, turn on to something a little bit more important right now, if you'll kind of stick with me. And this will kind of help us get ready for tomorrow's broadcast as well. And I'm realizing more and more as I as I look at what's going on. We live in an age. Ever heard the term spirit of this age? Spirit of this age. We try in the secular mind to dismiss the idea of gods and spirits and demons and and all that goes with it. We live in an age where we believe it's where we've outgrown this concept of religion. And you know that because of all the anger on Facebook, the anger to even this radio program from some people, the hate you find on social media to people of faith. Even Jerry Nadler made it clear that, you know, your, your thinking of religion has no effect in this Hall of Congress. And also the indoctrination in our schools against people of faith, it's well documented. If, if you look at it, those that have a secular mindset, they, they believe they have set themselves free from some delusion of invented deities. And that that march of humanistic freedom is now totally unstoppable. That is the spirit right now of this age. A spirit of deception, a spirit of a reprobate mind. We'll get into that even more tomorrow. And a lot of folks that, that know Christ or claim to be Christians just don't know how to respond. You know, the Bible kind of explains how to grapple with a false religion. But, but one of the problems is how do, you, how do you explain to somebody that claims to have no religion? Truth is that those that claim to be atheistic or have no gods or anything, in essence, they don't realize it, but they do. Their God is themselves. Their God is themselves and the society in which they live or the society in which they choose to live. The problem with these made-up gods, which is what they become, you know, including if you, when you become a god yourself or think you are, that you're the top of the food chain and that's all that counts, we end up serving those gods 
Things like our personal freedom, that's one of our gods. Our occupation can be our god. And as time goes on, these gods demand greater and greater sacrifices of those who worship it. When you think of when you think of what's going on, what if you're if you are a a demonic spirit that manifested yourself as the god Moloch in the Old Testament, demanding child sacrifice and other just awful, horrible behaviors and wars and violence. How do you do that in this quote modern age? I mean, you know, we can't we can't be setting fires in in metallic gods and burning children alive you know newly born babies we can't put them on the arms of a red hot burning idol and kill them i think we'd have a little trouble with that in our society today so what have we done in the spirit of the age is alive and well we we sacrifice them while they're still in the womb where you can't hear the scream you see back in the days of moloch the crowds would sing and dance and make music as they danced around this idol to drown out the screams of the sacrificing infants. These leftist values we have today, which have an absence of so-called moral absolutes, we have political correctness, a false belief system, you know it, I know it, the rejection of any kind of biblical norm, this is what we call the spirit of the age. And I'm going to give you a quick example here. There's a guy by the name, and I read this goes back actually seven years ago, so it's not even all that new, and but it still continues on. A guy by the name of Danny Cortez, you probably never heard of him, and there's no particular need you need to know more about him except this. He was or is or maybe still, who knows, he was a Southern Baptist pastor, and he was a graduate of Talbot Theological Seminary, and he was serving as a board member now for what's called the Christian Gay Network. He's also a hospice chaplain. He's from the Philippines originally, came to the States when he was four. But in recent times, back in 2014, you know, seven years ago, he started changing his belief system. And, and here's where we, this is where it's going to be a tough one to kind of explain this without saying it wrong. I, I already know up front. He's, he's since moved forward with the ordination of a female pastor as his co-pastor in a church. Um, and, and he's changed his beliefs regarding the entire LGBTQ community inclusion. And, you know, the Southern Baptist at the time, not even sure if they would do it anymore, dismissed his church, which was called New Heart, from the denomination. Let me explain to you a difference. Loving, caring, and sharing the gospel to all, regardless of your your background, the color of your skin, your orientation, doesn't have... You share the gospel regardless. You don't judge. But the Bible is still clear. You know, we, are, we are reveling in... Romans one sin in this nation, and we're seeing the condemnation, we're seeing the reprobate mind, we're seeing the result of all of it right before our very eyes. It's amazing. I've watched mainline churches 
suddenly embrace things that 50, 60 years ago we understood and had for, for centuries, things that are inherently wrong. Suddenly, they're not wrong anymore. Suddenly, if it feels good, do it, has become, this was the mantra of the 1960s, and now it's become the mantra of the church. Oh, if it feels good, we're not going to condemn it. Just do it, and we'll even celebrate it. We'll put up a rainbow flag on top of the building. It, I, I just don't have, I, it's not a, people would say, but Bob, aren't you being hateful? No, I'm, I'm just telling you that an unnatural attraction, which is, that's what it is, no matter how you cut it. Let's take the theology out for a second. Does it make any common sense? It doesn't. But we're, we're using our secular school systems to plow this into the minds of our kids. So you look at what's happened with that church and that individual, and, and I look, I, I get it. There's, there's a higher suicide rate in the LGBT community, transgender, all of it, because let's face it, it is not normal, and trying to normalize what is not normal does not change it. If you, if you think about it, those that were dead set on protecting institutions rather than being led by the, by the love of the Holy Spirit is what he says. His whole argument is that all institutions must fall, which is crazy. This, you know, this pastor that now has gone the LGBTQ route, he's trying to say that, you know, everything about Jesus was a radical ministry and he was out to destroy it all. No, he was not. He was the fulfillment of it all, not the destroyer of it all. I'm telling you, this is infiltrating the church at a rate that we cannot, we cannot sustain. I can remember back in the 1980s working for a Christian radio ministry in Northeast Georgia. And, And one of the things that has always stood out about my time at that ministry is simply this, besides the fact that I was seeing people's lives changed on a daily basis, and the fact that the ministry was absolutely committed to the lordship of Jesus Christ and and integrity and honesty and accountability, one of the things that I, I can remember is listening to people giving the warning of what could come. And I will admit that back in the 1980s, even I had a hard time believing that certain churches that I, I knew so well even a few mainline churches that I had a great admiration for could possibly get caught up in this whirlwind and falling away. I'm thinking several in my mind, and, and back in the 1980s and right into the early 1990s, what was one of the fastest, what was the fastest growing church, one of the fastest, if not the fastest growing church in America? It was a Southern Baptist church. Southern Baptist. They were opening up churches left and right all over back in the, in the 1980s and 1990s. And a lot of churches built these family life centers. I was a little bit concerned about that. That's another story for another day. But they were the fastest growing church and they were holding, they were holding fast to what the scripture had been teaching consistently over the centuries. 
Now, I may not agree with them on the adoption of the rapture in the you know, from the 1800s. That's another story for another day. I'm not going to go there now. But as far as the integrity of, of trying to preach the gospel and a true gospel and being accurate, they, they were working hard to do that. And they were, they were growing and being blessed as a result. But it seems in the last, I don't know, decade, maybe decade and a half, something has happened. One by one, just like back in 2014, this particular church pastor has adopted the spirit of this age and decides that, well, let's be inclusive. Listen, there is all manner of sin within the people of your church. Do you celebrate it just because they're sinners? What did St. Paul say? Do we sin more that more grace can abound? God forbid. I don't understand this thinking, but it gets into the church and it corrupts the message. If you look at the churches that have gone woke, they're going broke. Let me say that again. The churches that have gone woke, they are going broke, and it's the sooner the better as far as I'm concerned. Because you're not proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not asking someone to have their life changed by the Holy Spirit. What these people are demanding is that I get all the benefits of heaven and a God, but I get to stay unchanged and unclean just the way I want to be. This is the spirit of this age that really, God, I'm in charge. We voted and we're not doing it exactly the way you said you wanted it done because that's just how we feel. And this is what's happening. This is one of my concerns. The Southern Baptists, when they saw the first bit of decline, because people were becoming more secular and they didn't care about the things of God any longer, when when they first started dealing with that particular issue, the response was to make the church more like the world. And that's when these mega churches started. They were many of them are Southern Baptist churches without the name Baptist or Southern in the, in the name at all. They're called the this church, the that church, the city church. You name them, a bunch of names, they're all out there. Um, and then we have a lot of contemporary music churches, Elevation Church and, and, and others. And they try to emulate the world. And they try to give a pep talk. They try to be like, you know, the pep talker guys you see on the TV programs. They try to have a cool band and somebody cute wearing blue jeans to sing and solo to you with a light show. And you have churches, mainline churches, that have just said, we don't believe the gospel is written anymore. We have just decided to decide what we want to believe. We voted on it. God, you have to accept our vote. And this is what we're going to do. They're going to be a lot. Lord, Lord, in that day. Well, when we sang hymns and we, we, we pranced around the chancel with all kind of fancy vestments. And I never knew you depart from me, you doers of evil. We need to come to the point that we refuse to tolerate sin power of the Holy Spirit is what empowers the church today. And when you throw the Holy Spirit out because you've thrown sound doctrine out, you have nothing. You have nothing. 
The power of the Holy Spirit is the power of God. It is the third person of the Trinity. It has appeared throughout Scripture from the beginning through the time of Christ and through the, through the epistles, and it's alive and well today. He promised his, his Spirit as a permanent guide, teacher, and a comforter. And I think the church has lost sight of that. And I'll tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not quiet. Look at the day of Pentecost. This idea of, you know, you keep your religion over there and you keep to yourself and you don't share it, you don't say anything. Deny me before men and I will deny you before my Father, the words of Jesus himself. Even during his earthly ministry, Jesus talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. When he ascended into heaven, he promised to give his Holy Spirit to his disciples. If you put on faith in Jesus Christ, you're permanently indwelt, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 11, with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, the church is wimpy. It doesn't function in the Holy Spirit. It looks at the state when it came to things like, you know, after eight months of church is still being closed or you have to be 15 feet apart, you can have 8%, 5%, 10% capacity. And it's like, thank you, Governor, for, for looking after my safety because God can't do it and Jesus is too weak. That's what you're saying. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what you may think on this regard. At some point, at some point, this freak show has gone on too long with some of these governors and some of these reprobates that are in charge. We can go to Walmart. We can go to the liquor store. You can buy cannabis, but you can't go to church because church is too dangerous. It's a super spreader, don't you know? God is powerless. The virus has all power. And the state has the ability to conquer the virus with a vaccine that you must take to get your COVID-19 passport to go back to life as normal. I'm not buying any of it. Listen, we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, I'm going to share a few things that I believe are very important I appreciate your emails, your letters, your your thoughts of support, and even your financial support. I'll talk about that a little bit later toward the end of the program. Right now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to change direction a little bit and give you some real hope from God's holy word. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Apaluo! In a moment. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out. I'm receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Apaluo. It's Greek for forgiveness. Try it. Apaluo. It sounds good. In Luke 6.37, it's written, forgive and you will be forgiven. Well, the word there, forgive, in Greek is apaluo. Now, also in the book of Acts, the same word, apaluo, is used very differently. It's to speak of the disciples sending away the other disciples, saying goodbye, putting them off on their journey. 
See, it's a beautiful truth here. See, we think of forgiveness as sort of overlooking sin, or we say, I forgive you. That often means I, I won't hold it against you. But the word apaluo means far more. See, to forgive in God's forgiveness isn't just to overlook something or to not hold it against the person. It's to literally send it away. Send it off. It's an act of committing the issue into God's hands, never to be taken back. See, to forgive is to do whatever you have to do to send that thing out of your life. Send it out of sight, out of your heart. See, when the disciples sent the other disciples on their journeys, it took some doing. Sometimes they had to lay hands on them or pray for them or escort them out of the city or provide for them or send them off on ships. It was a work. It it took some, some work and some steps. So it is with God's forgiveness. It isn't enough to overlook it. You have to take the time to really send that thing out of your life. Forgiveness means saying goodbye to that trespass once and for all and doing it in such a way you never see it again. Take that offense that hurt, that wound, that trespass, and by the power of God's love, escort it out of your heart, out of your life, out of that person's life, and set it off in a ship of grace into the sea of God's mercy. Want more? Ask for notes on forgiveness. Now, the free gift for you, the most incredible evidence and proof of Jesus as Messiah from the rabbis. You'll get it in the mystery of the temple doors, plus Sapphire is guaranteed to give you the power of living a victorious life in God. All free. So how do you get all these free gifts? easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's all you do. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed, but call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, my friend, you're on this earth for a great purpose, to be a blessing. I invite you to join with me in bringing the greatest blessing to the unreached peoples of this world, salvation to five continents with over a billion people. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, The Nice Jewish Boy, at Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's The Nice Jewish Boy, it's Box 1111, it's Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah Adon Olam, the Lord of all. Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I want to welcome you back to part two of our Wednesday edition of Truth to Ponder. In just a moment, I want to share a message that I gave about maybe three plus years ago to a church in Florida that I think is still very relevant for today. It's a game changer. It's pretty much a way to title this message. We talked about the Holy Spirit and the influence on the church and the spirit of the age that is now corrupting the church and how the Holy Spirit has been literally kicked out and the spirit of the age has been moved in. And that's one of the reasons we do this program, Truth to Ponder. It's not just a critique of the news of the day, which is part of what we do, to give you information that the mainstream media refuses to give you but to also be truthful in sharing God's Word, which is equally as important as anything else I can do with this radio time. If you believe in the ministry and work of Truth to Ponder, would you let me know by an email? You can send it to bob at truth2ponder.com. That's bob at truth, use the number 2, ponder.com. It comes directly to me and nobody else. 
And keep us in prayer this week as we're doing some travel back to Georgia. We'll be back in Florida sometime in about a month or so. Just a lot going on this summer in the ministry and also for extending the reach of shortwave radio. And if you believe in that, your help financially is always appreciated. Our mailing address currently and still will be for a while, 21 Berkshire Lane, that's B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, add the number 263, 263 in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, zip code 30537. I'll give the address before the end of the program today. But right now, I want to take you back several years ago to a message that I shared that really talks about the game changer of actually having faith and not doubting. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time that we gather around your word, I pray that our ears, our eyes, and our souls be open to what you have to say. For this we ask in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Be seated. Last time I had the opportunity of preaching, we happened to run into our friend Thomas. Remember? Jesus and his disciples are beginning to work their way to Jerusalem, to this great events that were occurring in the city of Jerusalem, the Passover, these other feasts, and and Jesus preparing to become the Lamb of God. When we last caught up with our friend Thomas, his attitude was, I guess we're all going to die. Let's all just die. I don't get it. I don't really understand any of this. And even in spite of everything he had seen and heard in the days afterward, as we come now to this gospel account, he's still not convinced. Unless I see the nail prints in his hands and the sword mark in his side, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe. Like I said, Thomas is a very interesting disciple, um, one that we've never really venerated in church names. There's not a doubting Thomas church anywhere that I know of. He shows a trait, even with all that he has seen, of skepticism, and it's all about what I think, what I believe, what I want to do. He's the most contraire, maybe next to Judas, of all the disciples that are there. You have to stop and realize for three full years, he has watched the Lord. He has seen. He just saw him raise somebody from the dead that walked out stinking from a grave. But he's still having trouble understanding and believing. He has seen Jesus feed thousands of people with a small basket of fish and bread. He has seen people that were blind that now can see. He has seen people that were lame and unable to walk from birth getting up on their feet. He has seen everything firsthand not secondhand, not thirdhand, not hearsay. He is seen with his own eyes. And he's still, I'm not going to believe until I see for myself. Peter in his epistle, 
makes it very clear in verse 8, if you think about it, the blessings of those, we haven't seen him, but you believe. We haven't seen him, but you believe. Now, you might think this sermon is all about don't be like Thomas. Actually, it isn't. That is part of our human nature. But there is something that is more dangerous in the behavior of the Christian than Thomas and his doubting and Thomas and his questioning. Priorities are the biggest problem. And see, I think that what Peter is saying in the epistle that we heard just a few minutes ago, this lesson from 1 Peter chapter 1, we talk about our responsibilities. If you look at 1 Peter, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Like I said, if we go to that verse 8, whom having not seen you love, in whom though you now see him not, yet believing, yet rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Then it goes on in verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. But there's a few more things that Peter says in this chapter. Wherefore, gird up the loins, this is verse 13, of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then a little later he says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions of your father, but instead you're redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. You know, it really gets to me. I, I think of Thomas. How he could have witnessed all that he saw and still be so deluded in his mind. What possessed him to behave the way he did? Now, thankfully, history records that, yes, he, he persevered in the faith. And, yes, he took the gospel to many a place. He, he headed east. They all headed somewhere, and they all gave their life for the cause of the gospel, every one of them, including the Johnny-come-lately himself, Thomas, who finally got it. God has an, a tremendous amount of patience when you think about it, because Jesus appeared in that room. The door locked, appears amongst them, peace be unto you. Hi, Thomas. Here's my hand. Here, put, no, no, put your hand in my side. I mean, really, really. Now do you believe? Patience. When you look at the account of these men of God, these remaining 11 at that point, disciples, Matthias would eventually be called to replace, to bring back the group of 12, all that they saw, all that they witnessed. When you go back to the Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday readings and you look at the account of Jesus' arrest and crucifixion and all that goes with it, Peter denying Christ three times, they all ran into the shadows for their lives. 
that night. They knew the end was near. But there's something, there's something that needs to be said that I think changes the game. The good news, like I said, Thomas was a doubter. We can tend to do that ourselves. Judas was a betrayer. Peter was just obnoxious. He always was. All of them ran away that night. But what changed everything? What changed everything? Just a few little words. Jesus is amongst them. After he has a little confrontation with Thomas to set the record straight, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. That was the game changer. Until they were empowered and would yield to what the Holy Spirit would put upon their hearts, they would doubt. They would run, they would hide, and they would be unfaithful. It takes something more than our own ability to do the Christian walk. And the problem is, it's a priority thing. Until we put him first and say, Lord, send the power of your Holy Spirit upon me that I may be your worthy servant, we're trying to do it on our own power. And we do it in our own mind, in our own way, in our own time, if we even feel like doing it. When it's convenient. No, I don't get anything out of church, so I'm not going to go. I think I'll stay home. You're mocking the Holy Spirit when you do that. When you've claimed the name of Christ... And then you turn on God by saying, but you're not important. I just want all your goodies, but I give you nothing. That is the state of the church today for the most part. What's in it for me? Last Sunday, I don't know how many of you drove down Jensen Beach Boulevard after church. We did on our way home. We couldn't make it to US-1. There were so many cars blocking the road. The world has to have an Easter egg hunt during church time. And that's where the world goes. They're not coming to the churches. No, they have bought into the world. They have basically spit on the face of Christ, rejected his Holy Spirit. I am sick and tired of people that are cryos. That's Christians in name only. They want all the benefit. Oh, I love the Lord. Well, do you ever worship him? No. Too busy. My life is too full. I don't have time. There's 168 hours in the week. And people will throw away the one. Throw away the one. Hey, go back in the time of Christ in that first century. I've done some reading on what church services were like back then. They were generally in the evening on Saturday night, which is the beginning of the first day of the week. They went for about three hours. Boy, we complain when we get to one hour and five minutes. Come on, come on. I, we got lunch waiting. We got a reservation. <laughs> The game changer 
is receiving the power of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, our hearts, and our minds to all that Jesus Christ has for us in this gift of salvation. And we have people whose priorities put that last, if at all. Jesus becomes the afterthought. The world, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, I cannot remember when I was growing up what I would call a direct insult and assault on Christianity by deciding to hold the secular Easter egg hunt on a Sunday morning to compete with the church. And the worst part is more people were there than in the churches. And we wonder why we have the delusions and the problems in our nation today. We wonder, we wonder why our young people commit suicide. We wonder why we have these issues today. Look, I was a teenager too. I remember pretty well the kind of guy that I was, both good and the bad. But there were things in my upbringing, in the way that I was raised, that put a line in the sand for me and everything I ever did. There's no lines in the sand anymore. It's all relative. It's all about feelings, not responsibility. It's all about my desire, not priority. And we wonder why more people today read an interesting statistic. Young people today, what's called the millennial generation, have no real concern or care about marriage. They don't see it as anything that's important anymore. The majority don't see any need for it. Of course, they were raised by the Gen X and even some of my generation that went through all these divorces, so they don't see any merit in it. They've seen nothing but grief and trouble. When we walk away from the precepts of the Lord and live for ourselves, the Bible guarantees one thing, disaster. Whether you experience it in this life or the life to come, it's disaster. That's why Peter can say, and he's really saying because the Holy Spirit is there for those that truly believe to be empowered. You'll love him even though you haven't seen him. You believe on him even though he's not here amongst you. You can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. So on this, what we call Low Sunday of the Church, this is the lowest attended service on average. That's why they call it Low Sunday. I, I'm sure that's why they call it Low Sunday. Has nothing to do with it's anticlimactic after Easter. It's just that nobody shows up. Of course, they had some bad weather and it gets even worse. I once told my vestry at a church years ago, the Sunday after Easter, of course, there are some exceptions to this where people do have to be somewhere else and things happen. I get it. But the Sunday after Easter shows me the real church, shows me the faithful congregation more than any other Sunday of the year. 
because the ones that will actually endeavor to go on the Sunday after Easter, when there's like no traffic going to the churches, you know, what is it? The average attendance cuts by half. At least. Yeah. At least in most churches or more. Yeah, that's what today is. It didn't used to be that way. But even 20 years ago, you know, I would have 100 and something on Easter, then I'm back to 80-something the Sunday after. Where do those 25 people that live in the town go? They weren't just visitors. They're on the membership roll. There's an old, I remember this one guy saying, you know, I love your church, but you always sing the same hymns. <laughs> Jesus Christ is risen today in joy to the world. That's all I ever hear. We need to take our faith seriously. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to decide what is first in my life. You know, Jesus Christ does not say, I want to be equal to the things you love the most. No, he demands first place, not second, not third, first only. There are a lot of people, and I say this carefully, there are a lot of people especially in what I call the Americanized church, where we get to vote and do everything our way because it's all about us. Church is always about us and what we want. I worry about something that Jesus said, and he said it sternly, firmly, and clearly. There are many people that claim to be my followers, but the love of God, the Holy Spirit, does not reside in them. They want all the benefits. They want to be like Simon the Magician and buy something for their own good. They want to be takers and not givers in the faith. They want to get something, but they never bother to share it. They're not going to share it because they have nothing really to share. There are those that will talk about, as Jesus said, They'll come that day. Well, Lord, Lord, you know, we, we went to church occasionally. We sometimes said grace, sometimes. We, we even prayed for people that were sick in your name. We did all these things. And Jesus will look at them. I don't even know who you are. Depart from me. Depart from me. I've been reading an interesting discussion. I'm going to close on this thought. One of those paradoxes of the, and I'll use the term Catholic faith, small c, one of the great paradoxes, one of the great mysteries is we are, you know, the Bible tells us in one verse, we are saved by faith, by God's grace. Nothing we can do to earn it, get it, whatever else. And so a lot of people put a lot of stock in that, which they should. We are saved by faith, not by our works. Thanks be to God that we're not saved by our efforts and, you know, our work. But that's part of it. The Bible then says, but you will know those that love me by their works. The works don't save us. 
It's the result of our love of the Lord that we are desirous to do his will, desirous to share his word, desirous to worship him, desirous to come to his table, desirous to be baptized, desirous to share that good news. Yeah, we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, but the evidence of our salvation is how the life has been changed. This message for this Sunday after Easter is very simple. We can overcome our doubts, our fears, and our priorities by simply saying, Lord, forgive me of that sin of mine and replace my ego with your Holy Spirit. Think about that for a second. When you look at the totality of Scripture and everything that ever deals with salvation, it comes down to yielding that part of you that wants to be number one under the power of the Holy Spirit to make him first and foremost in your life. And the irony is in the process, you really get your life in all the fullness, in all that, has, that God has in store for you from the blessings of his hand. Yeah, it's a natural thing to doubt. Sometimes we're a little hard on Brother Thomas, even as they went to Jerusalem. Because we all, from time to time, have our doubts. But if we simply say, Lord, listen to your children praying Send your spirit upon us. Like I say, Jesus gave the disciples the Holy Spirit before he left. And then he gave the gift of the Holy Spirit to the church 40 days later. That's why they were able to preach like they did. And 3,000 were added. My prayer is we get our priorities straight as individuals, as families, as members of this church to proclaim that good news message. But most important, to be willing to call down that power that has already been given us, that Jesus breathed upon his disciples, he will breathe upon each one of us here. That for us, just like it was for the disciples, just like it was for Thomas, will be your game changer. Let's make him first as we continue in this church year. Amen. Trust in, in His presence.
want to thank you for staying with us for that message. And I hope what I shared literally more like three and a half years ago has meaning for you today. It goes back to at least 2018, if I'm not mistaken, maybe even 2017, when I shared that message. It's a game changer when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are a part of a church or claim to be a part of the church, but you're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be tossed to and fro so easily and be so easily deceived. Sometimes we're, we're more concerned about our institution, our particular denomination, our building, or just everything except what is the core of our faith. I see it all the time expressed by some people on Facebook. And they talk about this this past year of the pandemic and how they're hoping that everybody will run out there and take the vaccine so we can all get back to church and have communion again. In other words, we have to follow the dictates of man in order to have communion again. Which means you're saying that everybody has got to do what man says, even though we we don't even know the full extent of what this vaccine is going to do. I'm deeply concerned. We don't know. We know that mRNA vaccines have been tried before for coronaviruses, and they have failed every time in the animal test. So why are we doing the animal test in human beings? Nobody seems to want to address that question. Fascist book, Facebook, they want you to hurry out there and get a jab in your arm and wear a little, put a little thing on your profile picture. I've had the vaccine. Will you get it too? Not a snowball's chance and a hot waffle iron. We don't know. And I think we're putting a lot of people at risk with things we don't know. I shared yesterday about some doctors that are deeply concerned about how this will affect reproduction in women. Can we have children? Will it affect all of that? We don't know. There are too many things we don't know. But we do know that the case numbers were artificially high. We do know that all kind of things that were not COVID were called COVID deaths. We do know that we've been buffaloed and lied to consistently by Dr. Fauci. He's been one thing consistent on being wrong. He's been consistently wrong. Yeah, get the vaccine. Now wear three face coverings. This is insanity. And we have kids that we're making wear face masks. We'll talk about that one tomorrow. Uh, I'm not putting up with much of this nonsense a whole lot longer. Do you believe in the mission and ministry of this particular radio program? I may not always get it right, but I'm going to try to share with you the truth as best as it can be discovered. If you believe in it, why not let me know that you're listening either as a podcast or I really believe in the power of shortwave radio, and I hope you do too. And you can find us on the web at truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. And if you're listening, would you maybe send me an email, bob at truth2ponder.com, and let me know that you're listening to this program. You can also mail us at 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. We're in Sky Valley, Georgia zip code 30537. Until tomorrow. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, 
The number two, ponder.com. Truth to ponder. Shining the light of truth in a darkening world.